Welcome, NHL hockey fans. It's that time again. Time for another edition of Talking Hockey. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production presented by Humanica Media. Thank you for joining us. Whether you're on uh, on Podbean, you have the app there on your smartphone, or on iTunes, or you're watching on YouTube. Hey, we're glad to have you. How about that? The Washington Capitals, after 44 years of frustration and disappointing their fans and inconceivable collapses in the playoffs, they have finally done it. They defeated the Vegas Golden Knights four games to one, captured their first Stanley Cup. We're going to go ahead and talk about it, recap everything, find out uh, why exactly what happened happened. And you can see me, those of you on YouTube, you know I'm dressed in red here. Uh, Hey, it's in uh, pay homage to the Capitals. Alex Ovechkin finally got it done. Let me go ahead and bring in my co-host here. And, you know, I scour the earth for good co-hosts if I have to. It doesn't matter how far I have to go. If I have to go to other countries, I do it. And I had to go all the way to eastern Canada to find this man who is a fine goaltending consultant, a fine goaltender himself. You can follow him on Twitter at the Schwartz 5454 That's the S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z 5454. Here he is, the man with the lightning quick glove hand, Lonnie Schwartz. Lonnie, what's happening out there, man? Uh, Pleasure to join you. It's Hold on, I'm just looking at my non-existent watch, and oh, it seems to be stuck on Ovi time. It's (laughs) always Ovi time, and it's permanently (laughs) stuck there now. Look at that. I must I must have this broken Russian wristwatch or something because it's finally happened. Alexander Ovechkin can no longer be called the white Russian with no cup or whatever kind of meme or slight you have. His trophy case is legitimately all full. We can talk about international competition another day in time, but when it comes to the NHL, there is not a single trophy other than, say, maybe a Selkie or Lady Bing, nor is two, that, that Ovi isn't exactly inclined to win. Although, wouldn't it be funny if he's, like, almost 40? He scored, like, almost 800 goals, and then and his coach is like, he might want to go for a Selkie. He's like, why not? I got time. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, the trophy is going to win. <laughs> I may as well win the Selkie and Lady Bing now that, I, that I've scored all my goals and gotten everything else, but... That's here nor there. Ovechkin is finally a Stanley Cup champion. The Washington Capitals as an organization, as you pointed out, finally winning their Stanley Cup as an organization. Braden Holtby. Uh, the storylines are, are, are numerous on either side. We've said that right. since the beginning of the playoffs. So to finally see that my watch is firmly affixed to the everyone can shut up, it's finally OV time. I'm happy. I'm, I wake up a happy man today. And you know what? The other thing is, is Barry Trotz, who really made you the head coach, made his name in Nashville with that fiscally responsible organization, as I call it. But he goes there and it just takes him a few seasons to really change the culture. And I remember when he got there, one of the things he said he wanted to do with Ovechkin was he said, I want to take the glide out of this game. And that's what it is. Keep the feet moving. Play hard every shift. And I think when they started the playoffs this year, remember they started by dropping two straight games to Columbus. And then I, I have a feeling, I have no idea what Trotz actually said, but probably something along the lines of, you know, you play the same, you get the same results. That's it. 
And if you're, if you're going to do this whole playoff failure thing year after year, keep doing what you're doing. If you want to change your results, you have to change your actions. That's that's it. And what I like most about this Capitals victory, even though, you know, I'll admit I picked against them. And this is the first time ever in the Stanley Cup playoffs that I have picked against a team in all four rounds and been wrong. The closest I came was when Florida made that run in 96. I think I picked against them in every round. But then, of course, they flopped in the Stanley Cup final. And I got to say, see, I was right all along. This would happen. But this was incredible. And it's not just Obi. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom, but Kuznetsov stepped up. T.J. Oshie, who I have always really considered kind of a fake superstar, so to speak, because he's not big in big moments. He was huge. Guys like Barakovsky, you know, how about the blue line? I mean, Orlov was great. Niskanen, those guys who, and uh, and uh, John Carlson, who, you know, can be counted on for a few mistakes here and there. He played well. Tom Wilson up front. Tom Wilson who started off with that questionable hit on Jonathan Marchessault in the first game, but he settled down. He played hard, tough, but under control and made some big game-changing hits, scored timely goals. He did everything. And this was the first – this is the most complete Capitals team. Let's forget the President's Cup trophy-winning teams or anything. This is the most complete team performance I've seen not only from the Capitals, but really I could say almost any team. Uh, in recent years, all the way down from OV, all the way down to the last man on the roster, they competed hard. And that was Vegas's thing. And I wanted, they just kind of adapted that same thing as Vegas and threw it back in their face. And hey, like you said, when we were, when we were doing our post or pre-show, you know, they just had more superstars than Vegas and they played the same game as Vegas. So, hey, that's the trump card right there. Yeah, and, and by the way, I just want to throw a little bit of shade at the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, man, not re-signing Brooks Orpik how many years ago and, and Matt Niskanen really like, wow, <laughs> they wouldn't have won the cup with him. Come on. I just had to have some fun because there's a couple of old Penguins players that are floating around on that blue line too. And Brooks Orpik, I mean, come on. How many games did he go without a goal? And right. he scored like, what was it, over a thousand games or something ridiculous? And now he scores a timely goal. It was a total team effort. And from the very beginning of the playoffs, that's just about the message that every fan of this game has said about the Capitals. If they can bring a full team effort and not just make it about Ovechkin and Holtby, there is a very real chance this team can win the Stanley Cup. And here we sit today, Stanley Cup champions. As I know I pointed to Ovi time. But I'm really glad you pointed out Barry Trotz because, uh, you know, as we've said on previous episodes of, of well, talking hockey, we've, we've been to Las Vegas together. This is where we met. And we met a certain individual named Barry Trotz, and there couldn't be a nicer guy in the room. And there are a lot of nice guys in the interview room. But Barry Trotz, wow, he's on another level of nice. And to see what he goes through as a coach, like you said, with, predators and their struggles despite making it close a few on a few occasions you know and and the fact that he is he's just such a good man a good person and a good advocate a social advocate in many respects uh, his son his son i do believe has down syndrome so he's he's very big on that and just the character that he has and the the way he's conducted himself yes he's in the last year of his contract technically he's a free agent now like july 1st <laughs> Barry Trotz, 
he can, you know, check his options all around the National Hockey League. And being Stanley Cup champion is going to add a little bit to that paycheck even more so now. But such a nice man. And I'm really glad to see that he's a Stanley Cup champion as well. So many great stories on one side. But on the other side, I mean, can we really discount what they accomplished as well? I mean, Vegas, Stanley Cup finalists in your first year. Talk about right. next year. If they, if they don't make it past the first round, everybody will be like, wow. I mean, I don't know. This, this feels like a really big disappointment compared to last year, but it's the nature of hockey, man. That's what makes this game so beautiful. An unpredictable story that everyone from round over round is like, this isn't real. This isn't happening. And it kept happening. That's hockey. Yep. That's the beautiful thing about this game. If you are just tuning in for the first time right now and going, really, is that what hockey about is about? Yes. Yes, it is. That's what you know, it's about the, and it's really about the attitudes, like we talked about. We, we look even we look at different teams, like they did Colorado. You know, look at them. All they did was trade Matt Duchesne. I'm not trying to put it all on him, but brought back the same roster, finished at the bottom of the heap the season before last. This season, they're a playoff team. New Jersey Devils. You know, the same thing. They made a big, you know, a big jump. So it's. Uh, it's great when you have a sport where it's really about the work that they put in. And with a few guys we talked about in pregame, which I know ruffled your feathers a little bit because they were in Montreal. And, you know, we're talking about Lars Eller, Devontae Smith-Pelly, who, hey, I watched Devontae Smith-Pelly come up out here because I'm in Southern Cal. He played for the Anaheim Ducks. And I watched him basically go belly up out here. And we talked, I remember, when he went to Montreal. And what were you getting? And I said, well, Basically, you got the second coming of Rene Bork in in Montreal, and he got there and basically flopped, and uh, he he finally winds up in Washington. And what motivated him? The guy is built like a Sherman tank, and finally he starts using that size, that brawn, and you know what speed he has, and he scores some timely goals. So from the top of the roster to the bottom, Washington and what Barry Trotz did with. That particular group is just amazing. He sucked the talent out of every single player he had on the roster, and that's why they won it. And that and that marries to what you said earlier in regards to both teams played a very similar style in this Stanley Cup final. It's just that Washington had those extra superstar pieces, not right. very good pieces, not pleasant surprises like, say, a William Carlson. And yes, James Neal, I want to say James Neal is like top five all time in playoff goal scoring in some regard. I I forget the actual number. So I apologize for not having it concrete right in front of me. But that's a team that was built on depth. And when you talk about depth, look, you said pregame before we hit record. I don't have the fondest memories of Lars Eller as a Montreal Canadian. He scored one, you know, he had one game where he scored four goals and then disappears for the rest of the season. Talking about a first round draft pick that was called the Danish Bob Ganey. Right. And if you look back in time, Bob Ganey had a trophy invented for him. And that was the Selkie. Bob Ganey was a perennial goal scorer in junior when he played for the Peterborough Peets. And then he comes to the Montreal Canadiens, a team already stacked with unheard of offensive depth. So he changes his game to become a Selkie Trophy-like player, hence the Selkie Trophy. 
So when, when the name Lars Eller gets trotted around the way it does and the tire pumping that's going on, I get a little irked by it because it's like he was in Washington last year and he didn't really do all that much. Right. And while he does score some timely goals, backed up Nicholas Backstrom, I could never take that away. I just try and bring things down to reality. Like, are we going to try and say, what was it? Bickle. He had a huge role in Chicago's success in the playoffs, gets a monster contract, but that's great that you perform in the playoffs, but you still need to contribute to get to the playoffs. So when a guy like Lars Eller, I just need to present the context. When Lars Eller is a 38 point guy in the regular season, he's a solid third, fourth line contributor on any team. He just happens to be on this team, which has got two lines that did the yeoman work and scored like they needed to. Devontae Smith-Pelly, a Montreal reject, but he was bought out by New Jersey at the beginning of the year and had a pro tryout with Washington. So, yeah, there are stories that unfold, but it's like we live in the now, which is great. I'm I'm big about living in the present, but when it comes to sports – we also need to know the baggage that came along with what brought us to the present. So when we shine guys like like Eller and Devontae Smith-Pelly for their accomplishments, that's great. They've done something remarkable. There's no one that's ever going to take away Lars Eller's accomplishment as the game-winning goal in franchise history to win their first Stanley Cup. Remarkable accomplishment. But I just don't like seeing players get this mountain built out of a molehill because yes, Lars Eller signed an extension, but will Devonte Smith Pelly based on this season become this coveted? No, he's going to come back to reality and in an 82 game schedule, maybe he'll score you more than 10. Maybe. Right. You know, right. Lars Eller. Okay. Got you 38 points. That's his career high. He's been in the league for more than a decade. You're not going to get more than third line help from the guy. So, <laughs> In the playoffs, you have a condensed season. You get condensed results, so you can't apply that. That's the one thing I want to caution people on. Celebrate the now. It's great. They've done amazing things. They made the depth lines what they are. Washington doesn't win a cup without it. I can't take that away. But then come next season, remember, there have been a lot of players who've had amazing playoffs, and then eh, regular season, you're like, where was that playoff effort, buddy? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Now, the other thing, and we talked about Barry Trotz, but I think one thing we got to look at the evolution of coaches, and that is now Trotz, good coach when he was in Nashville, good coach, solid team, solid lunch bucket crew that he had there. Like I say, a fiscally responsible group because they weren't paying a lot of money for superstars or anything. He kind of had to make do with what he had. But he goes to Washington, and you know, it, it, they say coaching talent coaching superstars takes a different mentality and i think we have to look at coaches and their evolution as well and we can go back to i look at joel quinville and what he did it was chicago now when chicago first got joel quinville i thought okay well so you just want to get a a coach so that he's you can do something serviceable i guess but because i saw joel quinville when he was when he coached colorado i saw joel quinville when he coached st louis and it took a long time for him to actually become what is now a Hall of Fame coach. So remember, the coaches are learning as they go as well, even though they have the fundamentals, but they learn from each experience. And finally, Trotz gets to Washington. 
sees what he has, and I'm surprised that he didn't just throw his hands in the air and walk out after last season's playoffs, but they just folded like lawn chairs. It was terrible, but, you know, he saw it through. You go to this season, even if they dropped two, the first two games and having had to start the backup goaltender because Holtby was playing so poorly down the stretch. But an incredible coaching job done by Trotz. That's just – and everyone has to remember, you don't come out of the box a great coach. There's all the trials and tribulations you go through, but then you become a cup-winning coach, and they say you were always great. Well, no, he always had solid hockey fundamentals, but really becoming a great coach is a process. So you can't forget that journey as well. Absolutely. And, and what's amazing about what you just referenced is you can look over the last nearly 20 years and you see a lot of turnover with coaches, but then there are the ones that have long tenures. We're talking near 10 years with one organization. Trotz obviously fitting that bill. Quenville. These are guys that have managed to adapt to managing the individual within the scope of a team. And, and they have longer careers with one team. But then you'll look at a guy like Ken Hitchcock, who is now effectively retired. Ken Hitchcock would land with the team, have a great year, win the Adams, and then falter the next, or within two seasons of that. Right. Because of a failure to adapt and manage what are effectively multi-million dollar talents in the room. So you've got to manage those egos. You've got to manage those personalities individually while respecting the team. So when you point that out about trots, I'm glad you did, because I think that's something that really fails on a lot of people to understand is that evolution and to be in the league this long and to travel that, that road, because it hasn't always been that right. It used to be very authoritarian with a lot of profanity and it's my way or no way. And that worked for Scotty Bowman for a long time. But in today's game, as much as we all look back at Scotty and love Scotty and revere Scotty, I don't think that that coaching style would translate anymore. So it's good that you point that out. That's that's, that's another little thing you get on inside sports, right? You don't get that. Everybody. That's true. You know, because we talk about it. We know the game. I'm a defenseman. Lonnie's a goaltender. We played for many, many years. And I'll tell you, look, hey, I have nothing against forwards. Well, actually, I do a little bit. But <laughs> we see the game differently because goaltenders and defensemen always have to keep the play in front of them. We always do. We know how things develop. That's just kind of the way it is, you know. So, uh, and one one last thing with Trotz, like we said, him going to, like I said, going to Washington, you talk about managing the superstars, going there and saying that you want to take the glide out of Ovechkin's game. You take the best player on the team and the icon of the franchise and say, I need to fix his game. And he's still scoring nearly 50 <laughs> goals. And so right. I yeah, but he fixed it. Managing Ovi. <laughs> like, and, and by the way, when we're talking about coaches too, I, I'd be, we've talked a lot about the Caps. Victorious, right? History recognizes the yes. victor. Let's not forget Gerard Gallant was left on the curbside. What was it? In Carolina with his bags waiting for a taxi by the Florida <laughs> Panthers and said, hey, thanks. And by the way, we won't even pay for the ice that hit, you know, because the door hit you on the ass coming out. So Gerard Gallant going to a team like Vegas, taking a group of depth players and getting a guy like Carlson, who went from scoring six goals in a season to over 40 and establishing that system, that lineup, 
and to, and to bring them the success that they have, that goes from George McPhee at the top to hiring a coach that he felt comfortable would take a team like this and build them to what they beyond what they were. Nobody expected this. A few weeks ago, George McPhee said, "Look, I had a three to five year plan. I wasn't expecting this." Exactly. Exactly. So, so you know, again, we're celebrating the victor rightfully, but at the same time. They built a great hockey team in Vegas, the fans in Vegas. I mean, they went to practices and cheered them with signs. It was sold out at the practice facility. Like, do you want a franchise that's going to celebrate a team like this? Absolutely. What they did out of the gates in a city that is a non-traditional market is nothing short of spectacular. Although, as we always do with this kind of a show, we build some context. How long have we known each other, Charles? <laughs> Almost 10 years. Yes. When did the NHL start dating Las Vegas? And I say dating because it was sort of, let's give these guys a chance to warm up to hockey and hockey players. We'll throw the awards there. So that curiosity for 10 years builds mm-hmm. up. And then finally, when there's a team, you know what? I have to go back on my words here. I think, because at the beginning of the year, I thought it was just going to be a fairly empty building with seats sold because of comp tickets at the at the table. It so you was, thought it would be the Florida Panthers. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> okay. and or a little bit better because at least the tickets were paid for, and it was like, well, we'll just give the millionaire guy at the the craps table some comp tickets. No, these were dedicated fans that adopted this team that got tastes of what the NHL was about for the better part of a decade and proved them right for giving them a franchise. Congratulations to Vegas, their fans, their organization, to the NHL, and to the NHL for saying, we aren't changing the expansion rules for for Seattle. They just aren't. They're like, we can't give and then take away, especially when the price tag goes up by another $150 million. Exactly. So I'm excited for that expansion draft, but that's still a little while to come. In the meantime, we can revel in the fact that the NHL did it right. They got a great franchise. They got a great fan base. The test will truly come when they start to falter because every team does. This is one of the best things to happen to hockey in a very long time. I have no problem stating that unequivocally. Anybody who who says this isn't great for hockey, then you know what? You can just go join your grandpa in the basement and revel over the 1960s with your bunny ears and non-HD TV. All right. <laughs> there you go. This now. Is for the game. That's true. And, and what I always look at with expansion and things like this is, and it, fans get a little way too pissy nowadays. I really don't like it. And this whole thing of everybody wants to try to figure out how they can call someone else out or another fan base at bandwagon fans and stuff like this. It's look, it's about growing the popularity of the sport and increasing the popularity of the game. That's what it comes down to. Now, when you have a first-year team, you, sure, you can go ahead and label a whole city bandwagon fans if you want just because they go out and support a team that hasn't even been there before. And that's bandwagon fans, they didn't have a team before. And when I went to a Vegas Golden Knights game, I sat there and I listened to a lot of people who had watched a lot of hockey. And I've met a guy who had been a Ducks fan, a guy who had been a Kings fan, 
Now they lived in Vegas. They had a team, and they were kind of adapting to being Golden Knights fans. Are they bandwagon? It's no. You have a team that's all of a sudden 10 miles from where you live. What are you supposed to do, really? And that's exactly it. Look, I might be a Habs fan, but that's because I grew up with a team that's existed and a family that was from Montreal. He's probably going to become a Habs fan unless I'm like, screw whatever my family says, I'm going to like the Bruins. But that didn't happen ultimately. And 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 I t- and just like you, I take a lot of exceptions. Oh, bandwagon. What did you expect? They're a first-year team. And when someone develops a lot of success, what are you not going to attribute to and jump on the fan, ba- uh, fan wagon with? And if they start to falter and you jump off, then you can call someone a bandwagon fan. That's right. And everybody got interested at a certain point in whatever team they like. So do you have to go that whole thing of being a bandwagon fan and, until you've been a fan for 20 years? And this especially irks me with a lot of, uh, you know, I see a lot of Kings fans out here trying to, you know, throwing that around. A lot of them throwing shade because the Kings got beat by them. But, hey, you know what? I've followed the Kings since 1975. So I guess I have the right to call anyone who hasn't followed the Kings for more than 40 years a bandwagon fan, right? Is that is that pretty much my inalienable right? And I guess that will lead to, does it, what what good does that actually lead to? when I'm going to alienate parts of my own fan base and part of the hockey fan base, because no, every NHL fan should be like me about the game. They should actually play the game. They should write about it and broadcast about it. Otherwise you're just a bandwagon fan. Right. And and it does nothing for the game and the popularity of the game. And, and for a sport that relies a lot on gate because the NHL's main source of revenue Right, it's not TV, right. Yeah, let's be clear about that. Some people, like even in Canada, it's like, we got a $12 billion television deal. Yeah, but it worked out to being less than a billion a year because of the term of the contract. So let's not start stroking our egos yet here. This is is a very gate-driven game. A lot of people say, you know, I might not get it on television, but when they see it in person, man, that changes a lot of attitudes. So when people call out, that it's a bandwagon thing and discouraging people from following a team. And just as long as somebody loves hockey, that's fine. And if they can rub salt in the wounds and say they hate the Bruins unanimously, that makes me feel even better. <laughs> there we go. Okay, well, covered it. And you know what? This was great. I mean, a first-year team gets to the cup final and uh, really a another team. And I really um, – I'm happy for Ovechkin, but also the Washington Capitals fan base who – I just wonder with, with passionate fans, how they just didn't jump out windows at certain points, watching all the failures. And I know what you're feeling though. When the Kings won it in 2012, I felt everything. Finally, all my years of suffering, it was all justified. So I know what Caps fans are feeling right now. And that is finally, I went through everything and the last 30 or 40 years, however long you've been watching, it's finally, this is why I did it. It's for that one moment I had last night watching Ovechkin hoist the cup. That justifies all the pain and suffering I went through for 30 years of my life beforehand. So, hey, hats off to them. And also, Vegas, you know, you'll go through things. I hope their fan base, you know, they will learn to adjust, learn to appreciate the game. And, you know, you, you don't go to the cup final every year. But this was a great way to start out. Yeah, and parody is something that was on full display as well. 
I know we can talk a lot and wrap up the season in general terms in a lot of different ways, but this is just another example of parity playing its part in the game as well. Because when you see the teams that did make it to the playoffs this year and missed them last year, it just really speaks well to the product we've put together, the skill that's available to us now, and also just how much that salary cap has really helped this game. So I know some people it's watching, helped every team but the Coyotes. But well, look, that's a team. Uh, <laughs> that counts. Florida counts. I heard they want to actually disband and have an expansion draft. I've just those are just rumors I've heard, but you know. But ultimately. What we've seen over the course of the last several years with the salary cap era in effect has shown great parity and great benefit for this game. No longer are the Detroit Red Wings, Toronto Maple Leafs, and New York Rangers saying, oh, how much are they paying you at free agency? Throw on another $3 million. I mean, that's basically what used to happen. If you weren't following hockey throughout the, the non-cap era, that's what would ultimately 90s, happen. Yes. Yeah, in the 90s, it would be, Okay, well, I just went to so and so and they offered me 10 million. And the New York Rangers would go, hold on a minute. <laughs> just 10? We'll give you 16. And New York like, Rangers, $8 million a year for Bobby Holik. Oh, and, and let's not forget about Scott Gomez and Chris Drury and the laundry list of right. core signings that existed pre cap era. But that's, again, just an example of where our game is today and how incredible it really is. And and just as another nod to Vegas, by the way, and even, even the little emperor himself said it on the microphone. <laughs> he got booed the second he came out, and he, and he recognized it because that's tradition now. Yes. The minute Gary Bettman comes out, you boo. So for the, I was waiting for it. I'm sitting there going, they better boo. And right on cue they did, and Bettman cocked his head and said, well, I guess it's impossible to pretty much say you aren't real fans because you <laughs> recognized it right away. So, I, I this this playoff, if I'm going to cap something off, was the ultimate tribute to the game itself. A great story, an ending that I don't think I've seen a single person, even the most hardened Pittsburgh Penguin fan, has said, well, I guess I can park all those memes now. Ovechkin deserves it. Yeah. If you can get Pittsburgh Penguins fans to acquiesce and say, well, all right, can't really bust Ovechkin's chops anymore, <laughs> you've accomplished something. So bravo to these playoffs, to what the NHL has accomplished. This year is the embodiment of what is great about hockey. I can't, I think, does that sum it up pretty well? I, I do believe so. And also, you know what the Penguins thing there? The Penguins, every year that they have won the Stanley Cup, they went through Washington at some point. And finally, this year, Washington beats Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They win the Cup. I think it's just kind of poetic that way. The gate has been opened. The gatekeeper, was it was it Zool, the gatekeeper? <laughs> All right, everybody. There is no, Dana, there is only Zool. But in this case, the Stanley Cup and it's in Washington. Yep, there we go. So congrats to Washington. <laughs> hey, we may get together for a little something here uh, after the draft or if there's some great signings here during the summer. But everyone have a great summer. NHL training camps open right around uh, mid-September. So 
you know, you got to get ready to support your teams, uh, see where your free agents went and everything. So remember, you can follow me on Twitter at The Inside Sports or follow Lonnie on Twitter at The Schwartz 5454. That's the S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z 5454. So for Mr. Lonnie Schwartz, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for watching Talking Hockey. This is an Inside Sports production. We'll see everybody next time. Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Inside Sports listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD5. That's P-O-D and the number 5 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com.